What's up, everybody? Welcome to Draft Chaff. My name is Zach, and I'm joined, as per usual, by Ben Fisher. Ben, how you doing? Dude, is COVID, is, is, is COVID over yet? It's got to be over by now, right? Uh, hold on, let me just check my watch. No, doesn't doesn't look like it's over yet. I, I'm getting pretty sick of it at this point. It, it's huh. coming up on a year. You're getting sick. Oh, oh my god, I don't even. <laughs> that's I can't say that. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, it does. It does suck. Uh, it is coming up on a year we're at. Um, I'm just thinking, looking at the date. I, we two weeks from now will be like the the annual, uh, I guess, celebration or whatever of me starting to work from home. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah, yeah we're getting close yeah. to a year. Luckily, cases are dropping pretty pretty much across the board. Like from what I've been looking into, it seems like cases are just dropping all over the place, which is great. Vaccine rollouts are yeah. doing their thing, so hopefully. It's not too not too far off from us all being able to get vaccinated and get back to some semblance of normal. For me, that's paper magic. When I'm playing paper magic again, I'll know things are back in, a, in good, good shape. Sounds good. Well, this is episode number 35. If you're new to the show, welcome, welcome. We're glad to have you. This week, we're talking, well, we're not really talking. In fact, we're doing a Kaldheim live draft. We will be <laughs> talking over the draft, but we're going to be chatting about our picks throughout the entire draft. We're doing a full call time draft for you guys so you'll get to hear kind of ben and i go back and forth on our typical uh, discussion pattern as we have when we when we draft alongside each other but before we get into that of course we've got a few things to plug first of is the discord if you're interested in communicating with us more or checking out uh different insights from the rest of the community members here the best place to do that is on the discord you can check out the link to that in the episode description as well as on our twitter page and of course the show is sponsored by you the listener via patreon you can check that out at patreon.com forward slash draft chaff pod if you're interested we have five different tiers over there starting at two dollars a month all the way up to ten dollars a month and we have a whole bunch of different options including uh whole bunch of different perks i should say including stickers uh, behind the scenes uh, access to our show notes you know uncut versions of the show all sorts of different things to uh you know pique your interest over there so if you're interested in giving back to the show directly it keeps us doing this every week and we really can't thank all of our patrons enough we're gonna skip the crack and draft type thing this week and go right into the teferi tibble because of course we're cracking a whole draft so ben why don't you kick us off with the teferi tibble sure so i think the thing that we're both pretty excited about the most is the upcoming Kaldheim Sealed Arena Open. This is the first time we're going to have high stakes limited uh, in arena. And I can't believe it. We're going to get to play in like a, essentially a $2,000 prize tournament from the comfort of our own chairs at home. Yeah, How I mean, all the Opens that? have been super sweet and it's been nice to be able to have access to a, to a, a tournament like this. Honestly, I think there should be more in, in the and and they should mm-hmm. have a tournament client. Let's not get into all of that nonsense. But um, yeah, those are yeah. things that should be. It's really great to see to see high stakes limited though for sure. I am excited that we're getting some semblance of it. It'll be nice to see draft. And I kind of wish they were doing day one sealed here into like a day two and a top eight draft. It would have been cool to do like cut to top eight and then do a, do mm. a full draft in the top eight because then you know you get around all of the. Um, we don't have enough people to draft kind of thing, but this is great. It's a great first stepping stone and I'm excited to see sealed kind of come back because I think for a while sealed hasn't really been on people's minds like for the last few years. So it's nice to see it being mm-hmm. put back in the spotlight. Yeah. I don't think I have fired a single sealed 
Zendikar Rising no, event. Me neither. Uh, I just don't think it. I just don't think I wanted to. I mean, I had a a previous kit that I cracked with a friend, uh, and actually, I have my my Kaldheim one sitting on my shelf that I'm looking forward to cracking at some point. But that doesn't really count. Playing some kitchen table magic is very different than playing in a high stakes, you know, competitive arena environment. I'm pretty excited, dude. Like this is absolutely gonna be worth the buy-in for me. I am hoping to make day two and. And if I can walk away with some cash, that's even better. I, I'm not going to make any any high expectations, though. Uh, I'm still learning Kaldheim, as we all are, so I, I'm just doing this for fun. So that's one thing that I'm, I'm pretty excited about. The next thing that I put as my Teferi uh, is that I got a vaccine nice. appointment. Nice. Congrats, Yay. dude. Uh, <laughs> yeah, thanks. Uh, it, it's, you know, t- took long enough. Um, so I'm going to feel much better about my daily life once you know, all my close friends and family are vaccinated and I can interact with them, at least in some semblance of normalcy. I just miss having people over at my yeah, apartment. Uh, my tipple for this week, unfortunately, I'm very behind on lesson planning, as I always seem to be. <laughs> uh, I I had a little while where my honors class and my uh, like general class were in sync because the honors class started with something else. So like for a, a beautiful like two weeks, everything was in sync and I was able to use the same lesson plans for both classes. Uh, there was some, you know, modifications here and there, but the general activities are the same. And now honors is pulling back ahead and now I have to go and start doing more things again. So, oh, well, I got to do my work. Yeah. <laughs> what was Unfortunate. me? How yeah, about for you? For me this week, of course, the arena open is really, really super cool. I'm excited to see what that's going to be like. I'm not actually excited about my chances. I haven't cracked a sealed yet, just given given the busyness of my schedule lately. So I'm kind of going to go into mm-hmm. it sort of blind. I'll probably watch a couple of different videos or like listen to some podcasts on that uh, beforehand, but I won't have any hands-on experience with the, with the format just yet. So we'll see how that all goes. Um, and that's kind of my tibble is that I haven't played any sealed. Um, but I actually, uh, another quick little Teferi tibble combo for you is that um, so I'm a car guy. I really enjoy cars. Uh, mm-hmm. For the listener, my current car... Well, actually, my, my situation is kind of weird. I, I own a 2010 Mustang GT. I bought it a couple years ago, uh, and I bought it with like 31,000 miles on it, which is ridiculously unheard of for, for, for an That's older Mustang. Good. Yeah. Um, the problem is it's a manual or a standard, depending on where, you, where you're mm-hmm. from. Um, and my wife, Hannah, can't drive a stick shift, so... It's been sitting, and uh, we can't afford to have two cars at my apartment right now. The parking is too expensive. So yeah, it's been sitting at my dad's house, just not being driven. I actually unregistered it, so it's not. it doesn't even have a license plate. It's just off the road completely. And we've been driving <laughs> Hannah's lease, huh. uh, which is a Kia. And being a car guy, I'm not super enthusiastic about that. So we've been talking about bringing the Mustang up and, you know, whether or not we can we can get rid of the Kia early and just have the Mustang around. But then Hannah wouldn't have a car she could drive and I could teach her stick. But, you know, then there's all that kind of thing. That's a whole. Yeah. So instead, thing. what we've decided is we're going to get rid of the Mustang. We're also going to get rid of the Kia and I'm going to get a new Bronco, one of the new Ford Ford Broncos. And I'm super excited about it. I've been I've had my uh-huh. eye on that car for basically since they announced it. And we test drove one on Monday and it's phenomenal. Super, super excited. It's not a Mustang and it's not like a sports car, but uh, it, it fits the SUV void that I would like to have filled. Uh, <laughs> I'll just get another sports car in like 10 years or whatever. <laughs> Someday. Rebuy the, your, your yeah. current one from whoever's yeah. end up gotten it. On to our listener question of the week. This week we've got a, a really interesting one. Dorigan asks, what lessons about equipment can ZNR learn from KLD or KHM, I guess, right? I, th- I think it's KHM. 
I don't Pretty know sure what the Cajun. thing is. I'm just I, like I keep calling it KLD uh, because call the high, right? Or KGD. No, I'm, I'm pretty, sure, pretty sure it's Cajun, <laughs> but we'll go with it. This could be solved by a simple Google search, but I'll be damned before <laughs> I do that. So um, this is an excellent question. Looking back on Zendikar Rising, I think most people can agree that the equipment were mostly flops. There were some that were pretty strong and some that could uh, be good in the right decks, but there were some that ultimately you would just never put in a deck. Skyclave Pickaxe, Utility Knife. Uh, even Relic Axe wasn't always at its best. Um, something like Cliffhaven Kite Sail saw some play. So why is it that Cliffhaven Kite Sail was meh and Raven Wings is actually pretty good? Uh, and this has to do with the speed of the format a bit and, and a few other things. I, I want to kind of talk about these cards. One pattern that I'm noticing uh, is that they fall into enablers and payoffs. So something that I'm noticing about the equipment in Zendikar Rising uh, is that a lot of these were payoffs? Look at Mind Carver, for example. Uh, this one was only ever worth really putting in your deck if you had gotten there on rogues and could successfully mill eight cards. So unless you were that pretty good rogues deck that could consistently do this, you just were never interested in Mind Carver. And if you could consistently do that, well then all your cards are probably pretty good to begin with. I'm not even entirely sure if Mind Carver is going to be better than, say, your other 40th card. If your other 40th card uh, was like a Zulaport duelist, then I don't know, you, you might just want the duelist over the Carver. So something else like Relic Axe or Skyclave Pickaxe fall into that. A lot of these are also just pretty underpowered. Skyclave Pickaxe is just, you know, just awful. <laughs> um, the, I think Landfall, I, the design admittedly is pretty cool. And of course, it does have the best flavor text in the set for use on cliffs and other faces. But th this just doesn't do anything on defense. And the green decks weren't really like hyper aggressive. The, uh, of course, green was just kind of weak in general. So now let's take a look at what's going on in Kaldheim. We have some of these that are more enabler than anything else. Uh, first of all, the cycle of uncommons. These, uh, they actually enable themselves and then they enable other decks to, to go over uh, the top and do other wild things. Gold vein pick can enable some really busted starts. Um, something like uh, Raven Wings, which I, I do think is much better in this format than Cliffhaven Kite Sail was. Something like Ravenwings can help break these late game board stalls. Flyers can be very strong in this set because they let you get over the top of these kind of gross piles of you and your opponent both have a million two fours out and no one's getting anywhere. And then all of a sudden you top like a Ravenwings, you've got a three four attacker and suddenly your opponent has a real clock and a threat they have to deal with. Whereas in, uh, in Zendikar Rising, Cliffhaven Kite Sail just ended up being a little too inefficient. It was a more... I would say a more straightforward, aggressive strategy that would want this sometimes, or sometimes the ability to go over the top, just wasn't really what you wanted to be doing. Uh, that plan was not as good as that same plan is now in Kaldheim. So, uh, of course, there's some other interesting ones like Ruined Crown, uh, the back of Torolf, and the back of Halvar. These cards are obviously just incredible if you can get them going. So, as for what lessons can be learned, I think they have some lessons to learn from each other. For the Zendikar Rising equipment, I do really love the uh, magnetic theft effect where uh, when they come into the battlefield, they attach to a creature. That's fantastic. That gets around the, one of the big problems of uh, equipment, which is you just don't want to have to pay that equip cost. If they're too expensive, you just you just don't want to yeah. put them in your deck. Uh, so that's a lesson I think that should be taken into future sets, and I'm excited to see that come back at some point. A lesson I think that Zendikar Rising equipment could learn from uh, Kaldheim equipment is to be good in a vacuum. Uh, so Mind Carver, you're not putting in most black decks. Scavenged Blade, 
you're putting in like a handful of red decks, but compare Scavenge Blade to Tormentor's Helm. I think you're putting Tormentor's Helm in way more red decks than Scavenge Blade, uh, especially looking at these equip costs too. So uh, equip cost, of course, is another you know, huge factor of this. A lot of the Zendikar Rising ones uh, had heavier equip costs because they had these auto uh, attach effects. So you kind of got your first one for free. And then finally, um, the, the Kaldheim ones are, are good in the vacuum, especially with the uncommon cycle, which create a creature that just is there on its own. So I've had games where in Kaldheim, if uh, you top deck, say, a Dwarven Hammer in the late game, now you've got a major threat and every other creature, no matter how bad it is, is going to be a pretty significant threat. Whereas if you top deck, say, something like, uh, I don't know, even like a Ravager's Mace, which is one of the better equipment from Zendikar Rising, if you don't have a creature to put it on or if your opponent just deals with it, then, uh, you know, that, that's that. that. That's it. So overall, I would say that the equipment in Zendikar Rising were a little bit underpowered consider, uh, compared to the Kaldheim ones. They were much more narrow. They didn't go in as many decks. And while I do love the auto-equip thing, uh, the ability for equipment in uh, in Kaldheim to enable themselves and not really require any kind of setup at all, I think is probably my biggest takeaway. Man, I, I was super excited to talk about that, as you can tell. What, what are your I, thoughts honestly, on Honestly, man, you, you hit on pretty much everything I would think to hit on it as well. Um, I don't really have anything to add, so I'm not going to bother taking up time. That was an excellent, excellent answer. <laughs> okay, okay. Thank you, Dorgan, for the question. Keep them coming in the Discord on our uh, listener questions channel, though. We love to get those and love chatting um, topics that you guys want to hear. So that brings us to our main topic this week. Of course, like I said, we're doing the Kaldheim live draft. We're going to go through an entire three packs worth of cards. We're going to talk about our picks. And, of course, we're going to do a premiere draft, so... We are going to be restricted to time. If we're talking too quickly or not explaining something that you uh, would like a little more feedback on or you're maybe not following as well, we are going to record this and upload the video version of this as well on YouTube. So you can check out our YouTube channel for that. Um, I think we have a link to that in our YouTube or on our, our Twitter page. So you can check out that uh, to get mm -hmm. the link for that. We don't have enough followers or subs yet to uh, have our own uh, extension. So. If you're listening to this as well in the future, then uh, you can check it out at youtube.com forward slash draft chef. But let's get mm -hmm. into this live draft. I'm just going to kick off the recording here and we'll get going. So we're doing premiere and these uh, these episodes are some of my favorite just because it's draft. This is why we, we do the show. We love draft. This is so much fun. So I'm yeah, excited. We also always have a great time uh, chatting about picks. What is what is your first pick? What are you trying to open right now? Ooh, my number one like first pick in the set. That that's hard to say. I haven't gotten experience with every every rare mythic yet. We're still pretty early, and I've actually had a bunch of repeats. Um, th there's a handful that I, that I can say that I love, but I'd love to start with something like a Quakebringer. I haven't actually had the luxury of drafting a Quakebringer yet, but the card's phenomenal, so I can't say no to that. We're getting into our first pack here, and we opened a Turgrid God of Fright. Now Turgrid's Lantern is one of my favorite cards in the set and one of the cards i've lost the most to but let's see what mm -hmm. else we have going on in this pack we've got a snowfield sinkhole as our, our dual uh snowland struggle for skemfar in green we've got uh an augury raven usher of the fallen and a dwarven hammer that i like to see in in some other colors here ben what are you thinking uh, on this first pick you're just slamming turgrid so between turgrid dwarven hammer we've got a frostpire arcanist here too which i think is pretty great uh this is not the kind of place where I'd want to take uh, something, you know, we, we have no plan yet. I mean, I'm personally just on Turgrid here. This is also a good card to take early. We could potentially try to take some discard or sacrifice effects to build around it a little bit if we want to try to enable the front side. But the back side has proven to be a pretty efficient win con in, in later controlling yeah, decks. Just huge inevitability uh, with that card. 
Yeah, I'm okay with taking it just on power level here. And maybe we'll see one of these other cards wheel, but there's not really any other black in the pack at all, so that's kind of interesting. On to pack two, we've got a snow-covered mm -hmm. plains. We have a Mistwalker. I see Squash and Red, Breakneck Berserker. There is a Carter Doom Scourge, a Doomscar Oracle, Sarnheim Courser. There are a couple of decent cards here. What are you What are you seeing? Mm -hmm. A colossal yeah, plow. Yeah, I don't know that we're doing the. <laughs> I don't know that we're doing that. the cow plow here, but um, I looking at this pack, <laughs> I am I gravitate towards squash, but with Terragrid, I might want the Doomscar Oracle because that's like the black, you know, the black white thing, and Doomscar is a great, great card anyway. Um, Starnheim Starnheim Courser is great as well, and I like Mistwalker too. Mm -hmm. I'm eyeing this Carter as it's actually uh, besides a Coma's Faithful, the only other black card in the pack. That's all we've got. So notably, the rare is missing. So there's no really strong signals here. I'm tempted to take the Carter, uh, and, and we could wind up in some kind of black red aggressive deck. I don't think we're gonna wheel a squash, which is unfortunate. But this might put one other person in red. Um, Do you like Carter over Doomscar? I would probably take uh, the Doomscar Oracle. Yeah, I would take Carter here. I think on a power level uh, again. Uh, first few picks, we like to solidify ourselves in power and this one is multicolored but you know it, it can get there on to pack three and we're still not seeing any black only black cards are demonic gifts and dusk wielder i mean dusk wielder's fine but nothing really to write home about we've got a shimmer drift veil in the snow uh snow land so continuing to see those past boreal outrider in green a pilfering hawk in blue horizon seeker and a tormentor's helm as well i think we just want the helm here right all right, hear me out. I'm on a pivot now. Black, yeah, black is drying up. Is I think the worst card in the set. And black, uh, look, we've got demonic gifts and dusk wielder. Right now, there's uh, the rare and two uncommon still left in this pack. So it makes me think the person to our right could sure. be in red uh, and took something like a like a demon bolt or a, a squash or something. What I'm seeing here is a boreal outrider, which is a very strong yeah. snow payoff, as well as uh, shimmerdrift yep. veil, which is the best snow land. I would take yeah, the shimmerdrift. Shimmerdrift was my next. Outside of trying to stick to red, Shimmer Drift was, was next up on my list. So that'll be the pick here. Okay, now we see some black coming around. In this pack, we've got a, a Blood Sky mm. Berserker, a Skemfar Shadow Sage, and an Immersturm Skull Cairn. There's also Comus Faithful, but we can ignore that for the most part. There's a Gold Vein pick, which I like, and a Stalwart Valkyrie, which I also quite like. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, I did just say that black is the worst. Uh, I think the worst color in the set, but it's not by that much. I think the Blood Sky Berserker could be interesting here. Th this and the uh, the Shadow Sage isn't as much of a signal, but Berserker is a strong card, and I think we could wind up in, in some kind of double spelling deck. I think uh, being aggressive here, especially because we also see the Skull Cairn, this tells us that red-black is probably open even though we're not seeing much red i think we might want to pivot off red i'm okay with keeping the turgrid in in the on the front burner here picking up this berserker and then potentially moving into black white or, or something else uh something hopefully still aggressive to take advantage of the berserker but uh and then maybe i think the second pick here would be uh, something like the pick or maybe the karen yeah so we took the blood sky berserker there i i like using the uh the lantern side of Tergrid to really cause inevitability on the, the black deck so i wouldn't mind actually building this to be a little bit more of a, a longer lasting uh black deck if we end up that way in this pack mm -hmm. now we see ascent of the worthy which i'm not a huge fan of there's also uh, best gear shield mate bound in gold in white so we see some decent white cards there's also divine gambit which isn't terrible there's an augury raven in blue and a grim draugr and a skull raid in black i actually like skull raid especially for trying for that longer although it doesn't really pair super well with the uh i guess it actually pairs it actually does pair pretty decently with the, with the turgid's lantern yeah uh, i'm also seeing some pretty strong white yeah. cards coming uh, this is a, a white signal to see a bound in gold and a divine gambit fifth pick i think i take the bound in gold yeah, it's here decent removal and uh gets us 
kind of moving into that white lane. On to pack six. We've got a Glittering Frost, Snow-Covered Mountain. There's a Battlesheared Warrior and an Invoke the Divine in blue. Or it's rather in white. There's a Brinebarrow Intruder and a Pilfering Hawk in blue. Elderleaf Mentor in green and a Masked Vandal as well. Craven Hulk in red. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't call this as much of a signal, given that not every deck wants the Battershield Warrior, but I do think it's a, a pretty decent card. I think it's probably the pick here. The only thing I could consider is the Craven Hulk, but then we're getting a little bit heavy on the curve. Mask Vandal's fine. Snow-Covered Mountain's fine, but not as important for the, this kind of deck as some of the other ones. I think I could see this turning into a black-white draft, uh, but signals have been a little bit weird. Uh, I, I would probably take this here. I don't think we're going to be in green. Uh, these green cards that we're seeing are, are good, but... Uh, we're still not seeing anyone taking the snow lands. Ooh, that is a signal. Yeah, so in this pack, we've got a Skimfar Avenger, uh, you know, 3-1 rare. Uh, we've got a Return Upon the Tide, as well as an Iron Verdict. And it looks like it's about it that we'd be super interested in. There's also Dread Rider in black, but... Mm -hmm. This is interesting. We see a Skimfar Avenger here, and there's also a Dwarven Reinforcements in the pack. So I'm looking to try to pick up some more Berserkers. I think this could be a, a, a kind of low-to-the-ground, more aggressive deck with Turgrid as the top end. You can play that backside as a you know as kind of like a, a top end to one of these decks too i don't mind that yeah this seems like a great way to like chip in damage early and then use the lantern later to actually win the game uh if you come across a board stall so now we're back to pick eight um mm -hmm. or actually we haven't seen this pack yet but uh this is a boreal outrider a lit yara kin seekers and a yarl of the forsaken are the first three cards here anything else is a struggle for Skemfar and a snow-covered mountain as well this is a super late struggle and a super yeah. late Boreal Outrider. Uh, and the fact that Snowlands are still in this pack, it's very strange. I would hate to go into something gross like Black Green Snow. That's not a particularly good deck. But this just tells us that the people to our right, nobody was interested in this struggle. I'd probably take the struggle here just as a, as a late signal. Okay, yeah, it doesn't really pair with what we've got yet, but we can see where it goes. We'll take that there. Now we see... Yeah, I, I, I have a funny feeling we're getting cut on white. I think that bound in gold and the Battershield Warrior may have been kind of little false signals there. This is the uh, the pack nine we're seeing here. Uh, you see a Dwarven Reinforcements, Invoke the Divine. These cards are kind of meh. There's also a Runamuck uh, in this pack, which the I only green like. cards. Mm, yeah, there is a Runamuck. I think that pairs pretty well with our, our Skemfire Avenger and Bloodsky Berserker. I might take uh, the Runamuck or the Dwarven Reinforcements. Probably the Reinforcements, just because it goes with the Avenger. Or actually, no, that's not. Uh, it? it is non-token, yes. Um, yeah, I mean, there's other Berserker things that we could uh, yeah. you know, have going uh, on. So next pack, we're back to pack 10 here. This is the Doomscar Oracle did wheel, which is a little surprising. Uh, Starheim, Starnheim, of course, as well. And there's still a Snow-Covered Plains in this pack. Yeah, Snow-Covered Plains, I think, is the, the worst of the bunch. I'd probably take the Oracle here. There's nothing else in this pack that we'd interested in playing. Pick 11, we don't see really anything we want. There's a Dusk Wielder and a Tormentor's Helm. Tormentor's Helm is a fine pickup. Yeah, yeah, and grab the Helm. So it's looking like we've been we'll seeing black, pair. red... Uh, black red cards into pick 12 well uh, that that's a plan that means uh, that we could probably wind up with a good number of black and red good cards divine gambit wield ascent of the worthy wield so mardu seems to be open I, that late struggle was just so weird like maybe the people to our, like a few people to our right aren't in green but uh picking up the divine gambit there uh just gonna grab some some nonsense at the end here all right into pack two so we see a cosmos elixir as our rare Ooh. there's a I love I Cosmos the, I Elixir. I haven't had playing with it yet. There's a Rhymewood Falls as our land. I think it's just worth mentioning that out of the gate. We have a Way Down in black, uh, Replicating Ring, a Svela Ice Shaper. Unfortunately, I don't think we're really going to be positioned to play Svela. We could splash her, but I don't know that we'd get mm. a whole lot out of her. Um, and there's a Draugr's. I think there. Cosmos Elixir is an unpassable bomb. I have I've gotten this card passed to me, and... Uh, 
I do not think it you should pass. I think when you open a Cosmos Elixir, you should generally take it. So here's the thing. This card is great against whatever your opponent is doing. If your opponent is playing aggro, you're gaining two life a turn. That's a significant effect. And then if your opponent is playing control, you start drawing extra cards. True. No matter what you're doing, Cosmos Elixir, no matter what you're doing and no matter what your opponent is doing, Cosmos Elixir is pretty good. Uh, the only time this is like really that bad is if you're uh, playing control and your opponent's like hyper aggro. So into the next pack, we have another Bound in Gold. There's a Bergstrider in blue, but I think we're pretty far from blue. There's a Carfell Kennel Master, which I don't hate. It's a Berserker. Uh, there's also a Crippling Fear, so we're getting past the rare here. Yeah. And another Divine Gambit, which I don't think I mentioned yet. Another Snow-Covered Plains as well, but I think Crippling Fear is probably where we want to be. We can select Berserker. Given the number of Berserkers that yeah. we have in this deck... There's also a Haggy yeah. Mob in this pack. But uh, I think it's time to go Berserk. Going Berserk, taking the Crippling Fear. <laughs> yeah, but, and but, as if the the card gods are with us, we see <laughs> in this pack actually a couple of things we would want to take. There's a Dwarven Hammer, an Axe Guard Cavalry, another Bound in Gold, uh, Return Upon the Tide, but we also get past Blightstep Pathway, which is the red-black dual land. Um, and there's a Glacial Floodplain in the pack too. So these Snowlands are really not getting respected right now. Mm -hmm. I like the Dwarven Hammer here a lot. Uh, the Axe Guard Cavalry, I think, is something we're going to want to pick up as it is a cheap Berserker that helps give our bigger things haste. But I think Dwarven Hammer is just a, a power level pick here. I think it's that much better than these other things. Return Upon the Tides is not great in a deck like this. If the biggest thing we're returning is like a 3-3 Berserker or something, or like a Carter, eh, that's whatever. I don't know if that's worth putting in our deck. It doesn't really fit our game plan that well. Wouldn't mind wheeling the Elder Fang Disciple, or honestly, the Blightstep Pathway. Yeah, I could see us wheeling the Blightstep just because uh, the Karen wheeled before. Uh, Black Red doesn't seem to be super respected mm, right yeah. now. And we just got past an Egon, God of Death. <laughs> so, oh, this is great. You know, I just slammed the Egon. Egon. But uh, there's also a Death Nail Berserker, which we'd love to have. There's a Snow-Covered Swamp, which our deck doesn't actually care about, really. Uh, and then there's a Squash as well, which our deck would not really like to have all that much either. So Egan. Yeah, Squash. Uh, Squash goes down a good bit in right. Black Red because you can't play as many Giants as you'd like to. Uh, there's only so many uh, Hulks that you can put in your deck before your top end starts getting a little too awkward. I, I think Egan is just going to be sick here. Yeah, so that'll be the pick. Hopefully we can pick up that Death Knell Berserker on the wheel, but we'll see. Uh, here we get past another Blood Sky Berserker. There's a Breakneck Berserker in red. Um, Codespell Cleric in white, but I think we're really at the point where we need to make a decision here on whether we're playing red or white. We have a handful more... I guess we have exactly the same amount of white and red cards, but I think our red cards fit our black cards a little bit better. Yeah, I agree. I think I would actually postpone the the choice here a little bit. We have Blood Sky Berserker uh, as well. I think we can just take our second Blood Sky Berserker and then uh, put put off our decision point just a little bit here. There's also an Elder Fang Disciple, some other good black cards. Uh, I think black is just super open and we should capitalize Agreed. on it. So we now can. we're into pick six here on, on pack two. There's a Village Rights Haggy Mob. Uh, also a rune of sustenance which i do quite like the rune cycle and there's a jarl of the forsaken as well mm. we have some solid white cards bound in gold battle shield warrior but i do think red is going to pair better with this deck dwarven reinforcements to make berserkers carter doom scourge dwarven hammers all of these are all berserkers i think this pairs a little bit better with the plan that we have right now which is make a bunch of berserkers and attack uh, hopefully double spelling in between. I think Tormentor's Helm we would take over pretty much anything. So I think out of this next pack between Rune of Sustenance and the next pickup, which is a Haggy Mob, I think I'd take the which Haggy Mob. Did there. Uh, next up, we see a Draugr Recruiter and a Priest of the Haunted Edge in black. Not really things we're super excited to see here, but neither of them are exceptionally mm -hmm. terrible. Uh, there's another Haggy Mob in red, and that's about it. I mean, Wings of the Cosmos, which can be an okay card in the white decks, but nothing we're super excited to see here. 
Yeah, uh, I I, w- I don't really want to waffle much longer on this black uh, black white versus black red decision. I think I think I take the mob, even though it's not the best card here. It, it can win games. You can turn it sideways. Yep. So next up, ooh, here's the yeah, much next better up we stuff. See Carfell Kenner- Kennelmaster. I can't say that. Uh, Skull raid as well as a <laughs> way down. I don't. Do we just want to take the Kennelmaster here? I, we have a, we're getting kind of high up on five drops, and I wouldn't mind the Skull raid. I think it's actually pretty decent. It helps with the multi card synergies but way down is a good removal spell and we are kind of light on removal yeah i think way down is the pick here we want to see some removal spells and this one you can cast uh, in the same turn as you maybe cast something else play a creature attack and then do this next pick we don't really have anything this is our first miss i think there's a replicating ring invoke the divine disdainful stroke jugger thought thief broken wings roots of wisdom and a uh, runwood falls I think this is the first thing where we're a little bit disappointed, but I think we're doing quite fine. Yeah, just going to take the uncommon yeah, take that replicating ring into our next pack. We're kind of another miss here. Um, there's a Divine Gambit and a wow. Haggy Mob, but really we're not looking to play three Haggy Mobs in our aggressive black-red deck. <laughs> Definitely not. So, you know, it's not really anything. I- I'm just going to grab an uncommon for the collection here, but there really isn't anything we're super excited to be taking. Even if we were playing white. Yeah, definitely not. And speaking of... Here's some interesting stuff. There's a return upon the tide here. This might end up being a, a little more top-endy red-black deck. Maybe we're going to play this, but I don't think so. I would just take the return. Uh, the only other things in this pack are some some kind of a crap arachnoform. These, uh, these snow duels, though, going super late. I think the snow deck ended up being open. Wow, that's yeah. a disrespectfully late Mistwalker, as we see it left in the pack with Mists of Lityara. Uh, Shackles of Treachery and Horizon Seeker, which I think those three deserve to be there, but poor Mistwalker. Put that guy in out of respect. Code spell cleric. This is a pick 13 code spell cleric, so th- this draft has been kind of all over the place. I feel like we really could have ended up in anything involving black. Um, Black-white could have mm-hmm. really gotten yeah. there, and maybe it will in pack three. I kind of think we could still pivot to a black-white in pack three, to be honest with you. Yeah, we've kind of been split between taking good white cards and and good black uh, and good red cards rather. Uh, here in pick th- in pack three, we've opened a maskwood nexus as well as giant's amulet. Uh, we've got uh, rune of mortality. We've got Maya, uh, and then some other okay stuff. There's a feed the serpent. There's a way down. I think we're probably going to pick up one of these cards here. There's also a gold vein pick. Yeah, this is actually a very interesting pick here. I don't think we're going to want the maskwood nexus. Not really. It is a strong card, and this is a late game format, and it does make Berserkers. True, but I feel like our late game <laughs> thing is, is just her kind of funny. Um, I would be looking between the best gear shieldmate and the mm-hmm. rune mortality personally, but we could do with more of re- removal. Yeah, I think I'd take the feed down or the feed the serpent of the way down. I think our first feed the serpent's fine. It's just hard. There are a few things in that removal. pack we might get back. Uh, in this next pack or pick two yeah. here, we've got a, we've got a way down, which could very well be the pick. But there's also a code spell cleric, a doomscar oracle, a stalwart valkyrie. A lot of good white cards, and we have a Haggy Mob in red, and that is it. This is this is really tough because we're stuck on this uh this I think just the way the packs are breaking, and I think we were cut from red from our last pack in pack two. Ooh, I mean, we, I, I think it's still entirely possible we could wind up in red or white here, which I'm not very happy about. I think Stalwart Valkyrie might be the pick. We do really want to maximize these Blood Sky Berserkers, so taking the Code Spell Cleric wouldn't be that bad either. But plus, we just don't want to jam a deck full of Haggy Mobs. If your Blood Sky Berserkers never gain those two counters, then your deck really didn't get there. Yeah, so we're really looking for a reason to stick to one of these colors, and I think we might be getting it here. Into pack, pick three here. There's yeah. a Knotbolt Slumber Mound we're not really interested in. There's a Best Gear Shieldmate and another Stalwart Valkyrie, a Carfell Kennel Master. Craven Hulk, but I, I'm just on the Valkyrie again. Uh, this feels really bad, but yeah, uh, I think uh, we got a little bit cut on red in the pack too. 
Uh, I think taking a lot of good black cards did allow us to get to this point, though, where we're not entirely screwed. We have plenty of playables. Right. And I think uh, with the Shiverdrift Veil vale and the Immerstrom Silkairn and the potential to pick up some more dual lands, we're not entirely uh, off playing three True. colors. Next, there's another Immersturm Skullcairn. We've got a Breakneck Berserker, which I'd probably like to pick up. There's also Bound in Gold, which wouldn't be terrible. I kind of like, like, we really need, the <laughs> yeah, this is this is an awkward place to be. I kind of like taking the Bound in Gold and trying to focus on being a little bit of a slower deck, utilizing all these multi-spell synergies with with all the white cards we're getting past right now. We've seen the Immersturm mm -hmm. Skullcairn wheel already, so I'm not too worried about picking that up, especially if we're not really sure we're playing red. Uh, but none of our red cards are exceptionally good, and I think our white just does a lot better right now than our red does. Yeah, I agree. I think I take the Bound and Gold here. I'd just not be very happy about it. So into next pack, we've got a Tormentor's Helm, a Rune of Flight, uh, Craven Hulk. <laughs> That's about <laughs> that, it. Axe Guard Braggart, I yes, suppose. Uh, again, black was just super open from the left uh, when, when red was cut, but now we're kind of seeing this this opposite effect here. Ugh. Not, not the way you want to round out of pack three, but... It's not really much in here. I might take the Axe Guard yeah, Bragger. I was thinking too. Yeah, it's a little unfortunate. It is a, admittedly a slower, bigger. Yeah, the thing can attack. Into next pack, there's an Immersturm Raider in red, and another Immersturm Skullcairn. There's an Infernal Pet, which I really like in this this deck, especially if we're getting the white cards in there. Uh, another way down, there's a Maya, a Rune of Might, but I, I'm on the Infernal Pet here. Yeah, I think we're double bound in gold now, and we do have that first way down. We can slam that pet. Yeah. Next pick seven, we have a Raven Wings. Wing of, Wings of the Cosmos, a Jarl of the Forsaken, which we haven't actually picked up. We've seen a few of them, but we haven't picked any up, uh, which I'm not opposed to getting one mm. in the deck. It helps with the double spelling, given that it's a Fortell card. Um, otherwise, we see a Craven Hulk, a Seize the Spoils, and a Fearless Liberator. Fearless Liberator really hurts yeah, to does. see here. It does. Liberator's uh, a great card. Yeah, uh, because that's exactly the kind of you know low to the gun berserker. This makes me think that our, uh, our, uh, our friend to our right might be playing a slower red deck, something taking a... So, so picking up a lot of the removal spells uh, and then hoping to have a more late game plan. And maybe uh, they might be doing some kind of, uh, I don't know, maybe maybe a Giants plan. But then again, here we see a Bergstrider and a Volatile Fjord. Yeah, to be honest, this uh, this draft is a little yeah, bit off the rails. all over the place. I think we can take a Jarl the yep, Forsaken Jarl was our only option. Here we see a, a Axe Guard Braggart versus Rune of Mortality. I'm perfectly fine picking up the Rune of Mortality. Yep, I think we can pick up this rune and hope to put it on a Haggy Mob, which is a Absolutely. beautiful combination. Speaking of, we've got a Haggy Mob in pick 10 here. There's also a way down, and I'm fine picking up a second way down to give us a little bit more uh, removal to work with. There's also a Draugr Recruiter, Absolutely. but, but way good. down seems to be the pick here. Next pick, we don't really have anything going for us. There's a Wings of the Cosmos and a Funeral Longboat, but not really excited to take any of them given that we already have a Wings of the Cosmos. I do like having one in decks that, mm -hmm. that have a hard time going you know into the ground very well but but two are not really likely to make the cut for me yeah here in our last few picks we're starting to get to the uh the the super chaff uh i think honestly taking a dusk wielder here isn't the worst thing in the world we might need it to double spell with the blood sky berserker so here's the thing uh what is this deck trying to do what is this deck's game plan this deck's game plan got messed up significantly by the colors and we just rounded out the last few picks there so because of the way that these packs kind of uh, got passed to us, I think we interpreted signals decently well, uh, even though this was, you know, kind of like time crunch. And this is part of the, the skill of drafting. Drafting is a timed experience, right? So I think that this deck could potentially be built in two different ways. I think we wound up with more good white cards than, than anything else. And we did wind up with some, uh, you know, little synergies here and there. Carter Doom Scourge is a great card. Putting a, uh, a Rune of Mortality on a Haggy Mob is a great combination. But... 
I, I think despite not being super happy with how this deck turned out, it still has some power. This deck has a Crippling Fear. This deck has Turgrid. This deck has Egan uh, and it has uh, Skemfire Avenger, multiple Blood Sky Berserkers. I think despite the uh, tumultuous draft process, we wound up with a pretty serviceable black-white deck. Yeah, we ended up having to make cuts, so it's... You know, we made we got enough playables, which again is something that we've talked about a lot on this show. Like we really don't have to worry about that in modern or contemporary Magic limited formats. Mm-hmm. So we did we did get enough playables, but it was it was awkward. We didn't know what deck we were playing until you know the middle of pack three, which is definitely not where you want to be. So I think this was an interesting case where, and I think honestly Ben and I probably would have ended up in two different decks if we didn't draft this together. Uh, ben and I often find each other mm-hmm. uh, splitting on a certain pick and that kind of defining the rest of the draft. But yeah, we, sure. we tried to stay as open as possible. We kept to the black as, as frequently as we could when we weren't sure whether to pick between white or red. And I think that worked out for us here. We got past a couple of decent rares and uh, made our way through with the Crippling Fear and the Egon God of Death. And then we, we just found, you know, the few extra cards we needed to, to round out the rest of the deck. And I think, like Ben said, the... The white cards here, Code Spell Cleric, the Doomscar Oracle, a couple Balanin Golds, we got a couple Starwart, Stalwart Valkyries, were just a bit better than than the rest of our red cards, and we really didn't even pick up that many red cards. We picked up a total of five red cards, if you don't include the Imberstorm Skullcairn, so, and, and we could have biased towards more of them, I suppose, because we really started to take white cards at the end there, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that's my bad. I think you were trying to pull in a white a little before I was. Uh, so taking a, an earlier, a second code spell cleric, this deck really wants a second one. And I think I might have talked you off of one of those at one point, but uh, my bad. Uh, but I think this deck is still fine. Uh, one thing I'm concerned about is we have double way down, double stalwart Valkyrie. Uh, so this deck is going to want to be eating its graveyard pretty significantly. However, we do have, I mean, there, there's the Egon. I mean, he, he dumps stuff in the graveyard, yeah. so... Uh, I, I uh, at least uh, if we play the back half, the Throne of Death, that is. Uh, Ego in the front half, well, he'll, he'll just kind of go away. But at worst, that's a three mana cycler that, you know, potentially uh, just blocks really well for a turn before it dies. Yeah, uh, like you said, it's a little bit awkward, but we do have the Elixir, the Cosmos Elixir as well, that's going to kind of keep us keep us going um, and, and keep feeding our hand. So I'm, I'm not super worried, to be honest. We have decent removal, um, and the Crippling Fear did get a little worse swapping to white. We, we lost a big chunk of our Berserker, uh, you know, backbone. We do have a handful mm-hmm. of Warriors, but other than that, it's it's going to be kind of hard to leverage that Crippling Fear properly, I think. Yeah, I think it's still worth playing, given that board wipes tend to overperform in Limited, especially when there's lots of smaller creatures going around. There's still people going really wide in this set. I've been blown up by Crippling Fear a few times. Uh, I, I think it will be pretty good. Um, I don't think, like you said, it's as good as it would be in a deck where you have... Uh, a higher concentration of cards of a certain type, but yeah, we're kind of split. We've got We've got four warriors. It seems we've got a couple of berserkers, three berserkers and uh, four. Yeah. Four clerics or five warriors actually. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, that, that is what it is. Sometimes that happens. I think our deck is still going to be able to leverage it relatively frequently, but we'll see. Yeah. I would put this deck at a six out of 10. Uh, I think it has some very powerful rares. Uh, this is what like, black god rare drafts with cosmos elixir to glue it together uh this deck has power right Uh, and there's certainly busted draws from this deck that'll be able to win games effectively however i think this deck kind of struggled because we weren't able to make that decision to get into the uh like this archetype until the very end and i think we might have seen some weird packs in there um you and I are pretty experienced drafters we know what it's like to see confusing picks like we saw a mistwalker go like 
uh, fourth to last pick. But I don't think blue is particularly open, right? Uh, I think there there may have just been some some strangeness happening in this, and that's okay. Like uh, occasionally, you're just going to wind up with a draft where things go a little weird. This also proves to our listeners that we didn't just do it until we got a great <laughs> draft and upload the, <laughs> our best work. I think it's important to be able to take a not so great draft experience and analyze how you got there and what we can learn from it. So. I think a great takeaway of this is because this deck's plan is a little bit fragmented, we're able to say it's a little bit fragmented because we didn't have a set uh, set two-color scheme by our third pack. We were still a little bit waffling. But you really want to decide about half a pack sooner than we did. Um, like midway to late through pack two is the really absolute latest you want to decide, right? On your, on yeah. your second color, if, if not a, a two-color pair. So uh, I hope the listener can learn something from this uh, of, uh, of some value. This deck has power. It's going to win games. However, uh, I think it's a little worse than it could have been because of uh, just kind of the way the, the drafting process went. For sure. That said, that's going to do it for us this week. Thank you so much for listening. And of course, if you want to follow along a little bit better and check out some of the cards we may not have mentioned throughout the draft, the video version of this will be uploaded on YouTube following the uh, release of this episode. So definitely give that a give that a look. Um, also, if you're interested in learning more about drafting as a whole or you just want to talk about your drafts, throw up your trophies, get, have somewhere to, to, to sort of flaunt uh, a little bit, head over to the Discord. That's the best place to do that for us and to interact with our community. We have a lot of trophy decks popping up in call time. It seems like a fun format and everybody's been enjoying it. So definitely give that a look if you're interested in what decks are trophying and all that sort of thing. Also, if you're interested in giving back to the show, check out the Patreon. That's the best place to go to support us directly. You can do that at patreon.com forward slash draft chaff pod. Thanks everybody. We'll catch you next week. Good luck in the sealed tournament, everybody. So uh, I have a, a, a bit of a, a fun sign off that kind of decompress after that admittedly kind of messy draft. Not, not one of our finest, but you know, I think still, uh, still pretty good nonetheless. Um, it was Valentine's day this past weekend. So do anything fun. <laughs> uh, well, we, I'll start by saying we spent the weekend at my in-laws. So that, Ooh, that fun. <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't have, unfortunately for me, and actually we were talking about this this weekend, I don't have the in-laws where it's like, uh, gotta go see the in-laws. Not super excited. Not super excited about that. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, it does make things awkward, right? You're staying in somebody else's house and they have so many kids that it's like you know you're never actually alone it's kind of an awkward situation yeah Um, originally hannah and i had planned to stay at uh, she has she has grandparents who live near her parents so we were gonna go visit the in-laws but stay at a house that we had to ourselves because her grandparents are snowbirds they head down to florida for the summer or for the winter rather um Mm. and so we were, we were thought we were going to have a house to ourselves. We were going to make a nice dinner. We were going to do like a, a gnocchi and sausage kind of dish and, uh, Ooh. you know, just have some fun hanging out, uh, that kind of thing. Didn't end up working out that way, but we ended up getting Chinese food and just going out to a nice restaurant where we actually had our first date. So it was, it was salvaged. It was still a nice, a nice evening. Yeah. Nice. How about you? Absolutely. Pretty good. Uh, I will say my girlfriend and I, we, we made this, uh, we tried to make like a charcuterie nice. board. Uh, but with our with our own spin on it, we spent probably like half an hour in a in a Wegman's just like trying to pick out everything out because I haven't been to a Wegman's in ages. I forgot how like aestheticized <laughs> the entire inside of Wegman's are. It, it's it, it's like you're walking into like a movie set almost. It, the way it just is bustling and fake. I don't know if everyone have has these. Probably not across the world, right? 
I would call this a, uh, a a gentrified, pretty upper high tier shopping center or sh- like f- shopping uh, for food place, right? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I've never been to one, so. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, well, the inside kind of has the like it has um, almost like windows as if you're in a in a bustling market. It, it's kind of made to look as though you're walking down like a street, and uh, there's people like looking out over you, but it's actually the staff on their brakes. <laughs> it's it's pretty funny, but it, it was uh, absolutely bustling. The thing was, uh, we ended up getting way too much stuff. Uh, I think our our uh, our appetites got the better of us, so we were left over with just way too much fancy cheese and fancy meat. So now for my entire week, my my leftovers have just been like <laughs> making sandwiches out of like I I feel so terrible. I'm putting this like this like smoked gouda on this like bad white bread <laughs> it's it's uh it's not something that i'm proud of but i will say uh for valentine's day my girlfriend got me a seb mckinnon print of uh of oh, soul Hurt. lovely uh, she's an artist that's, that's phenomenal uh, art. i love that card yeah she's an artist and we've i've mentioned her how much i love magic art and she uh she was a huge fan of seb when she saw his work because obviously seb is just incredible so uh, she picked up a, a an art print that's from, awesome from that so uh that was it was sweet i can't wait to frame that thing hang it up We've got some other magic art that I just haven't hung up yet. I've got a Bane Slayer and a Tireless Tracker, uh, so a few of my other very favorite nice. arts. All very spacey now that I'm now that I'm thinking of it. Starting to think of a theme here. Perhaps nah. I like space. You only went to school for like astrophysics or something. That, it can't be. <laughs> I don't think that works that way. Yeah, I guess not. Anyway, last thing before we go. Um, have fun in the Sealed League, everybody. Uh, I, I'm sorry we didn't get to do a Sealed episode. This kind of snuck up on us. I, I genuinely thought the Sealed thing was happening yeah. next weekend. <laughs> not, not, not this week. But uh, a few tips for Sealed. I think Disdainful Stroke goes way up. I think you're going to play every copy you open. Uh, kind of along the same lines. The aggressive strategies get a little bit worse. The late game strategies get a little bit better. And there's already a lot of really good late game strategies in call time. So stuff like the, the Svela decks, the Ravenous Linworm decks, the uh, Yara Mirror Lake decks, these all get a big boost from being able to plan their deck out a little bit more consistently. So uh, slam some big stuff, be prepared to deal with the big stuff, and uh, have fun playing some limited battle. Yeah, teaser. also, if you happen to, to place for day two, keep us updated in the Discord. Throw, throw that in there. It would be great to root for you guys as, uh, as, as everybody's playing through the open. 